Welcome to the True Crime Librarian. I'm your librarian and host, Ashley. Before we get into episode two of The All-American Family, I wanted to take a moment and thank you all for your support as I tackle cases that are at the forefront of my mind. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review so that other true crime junkies can find me in these cases. If you haven't heard part one, please go back to the beginning so that you can fully understand what leads a man to get rid of his entire family. Tonight's case is the second part in the multi-episode look at the All-American Family, the Chris Watts story. Last week, we went over so much detail that happened up into the point to where Chris decided he was no longer happy in his marriage and wanted out. Many may think that it was useless knowledge, but let me stress, in order to understand the whole story, you need to have every side available. Christopher Lee Watts annihilated his entire family so that he could start life over with the young mistress that had entered into his life. He was mystified and in awe over how he could be himself with Nicole or Nikki Kessinger. He wasn't berated, he wasn't ordered around, and she fed his healthy appetite for sex and sexual experience. Now he needed to remove the very one stopping him from having Nikki in every way possible. Just mere days before the disappearance of his family, Chris sloppily throws together a half-devised plan in the first steps of moving on with his new life. Warning, this episode contains graphic detail of murder, adult theme situation, and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. If you feel this may be too much for you, I suggest that you skip the last part of this episode or have someone listen for you or with you. Okay, so last week we learned about Chris and Shanann and Bella and Celeste, and we walked right up to the point that Shanann and Bella and Celeste were flying out with her dad out to North Carolina, and they were going to stay for six weeks, and Chris would only join them for the last week of this vacation. And today we're going to start where Chris and Nikki set out to meet outside of work for the very first time. On June 27, 2018, Chris and Nikki had set up their little get-together at a park close to where Nikki lived. And before the encounter, the two had exchanged some text messages to kind of set some ground rules, but I don't think they adhered to them very well. Chris would later say that he never considered having an affair or that there was anything wrong with his marriage until he met Nikki. Nikki was just too much for him to resist. As the couple shared their text messages with their ground rules, the very end, Nikki shares this last text message that said, quote, promise, I'm about loyalty, truthfulness, and being dedicated. 
I don't like playing games. Unless it's role-playing, smiley face. Chris replied, if you want me there, I will be there. And Chris was in. He was like, I've got this girl's attention and let's do this. Let's meet up. Let's see if this can go anywhere. And so they met at the park and sat by the lake and they just kind of chit-chatted about everything. And, you know, they talked about why Chris and Shanann had decided they were going to separate. And Chris had told her Shanann's bossy and she's controlling and she belittles him in front of the girls. And it's getting to the point that Bella and Cece or Celeste are repeating those hateful words back to Chris. And he had just had it. And as if you don't remember, if you did not listen to episode one, Chris is an introvert in every sense of the word. He just, he does not shine in large crowds where Shanann does. He's very vivacious and she knows what she wants and she goes for it. And Chris kind of gave her this empowerment to where she didn't feel insecure about being who she was. And so in return, she kind of puts Chris in the spotlight on social media quite a lot, and it makes him extremely uncomfortable. But with Nikki, he doesn't feel uncomfortable. She doesn't put him out in any situation he's uncomfortable with. She listens to what he has to say, and she doesn't joke or make fun of it or any of that. And Shanann does. I mean, when they would get around their friends, she would kind of make it a joke when she would boss Chris around or kind of control him. But I think that was Shanann's way of kind of keeping it from looking bad on Chris. It was making fun of herself because she was this way. But never did it seem wrong to either side until Bella and Celeste started doing the exact same thing. After a couple hours in the park, Nikki and Chris went back to Nikki's house and the ever-prepared Chris shows up with two boxes of condoms, one of which is open and had been used. And Nikki asked him, you know, why? Why is this box open? Why is it used? You're married. You shouldn't be using condoms. Whatever. And Chris's response was that Shanann doesn't always like to get messy. So she makes him use the condoms. Whether that's true, we'll never know because Shanann never gets to speak her side of this. In the end, Chris uses the condoms he brought on the very first date, despite their ground rules that they had set in place, and the two have sex. They went full force, fast as they could in this relationship. You know, they sat down, they kind of talked about who they were and why they were where they're at right now kind of actually more why Chris was where he was at and then all of a sudden it was you know rules to the wind let's go full force we're gonna do it all in one day Chris will later say that really bad things happened at Nikki's house things that he was ashamed of and that will go with him to his grave I don't know what happened there but I could probably put a little bit of money on it that it was things he never did with his wife. But who am I to say? On June 28th, Chris goes back to Nikki's house and the two engage in sex again. They are like most new couples, only they skipped probably two or three dates and just went straight to having sex with each other. And 
this is new. This is fun. This is exciting for Chris because Nikki sees what he's kind of lacking and where he feels like he's falling short. And she gives him that. She feeds him that to keep him wanting her more. And it's after this encounter that Nikki kind of, she has him pulled in. And they are playing this very dangerous game. And neither one of them know how dangerous this is going to get. But nevertheless, Nikki is like, hey, I'm going to go out of town for a little while with some friends. So we won't be able to see each other. But we'll still talk. No big deal. However, Chris, he's hooked. And he tells Nikki this. He's like, I'm addicted to you. And, and she later texts him, I'm going to see you. It won't be as often as we would like, but I'll make it happen. You think you're the only one addicted right now? For Chris, that's just what he wanted to hear. He had never been pursued and Nikki actively pursued him in the beginning of their relationship. And once she had him where she wanted him, she had fed him just enough to be engaged. And then once he was hooked, she kind of stepped back and tested those waters, tested how much Chris was actually into her. On June 30th, just a couple days later, Chris begins to look for different ways to spend time with Nikki. And one of those is going to Bandamere Speedway um, because Nikki also loved cars. And that's something he shared with his dad when he was younger, but he had not been at a racetrack since he went with his dad when he was younger. And certainly not with Shanann. That was just not something they shared a passion in. And that's okay. But for whatever reason, Chris never felt like he could go and enjoy the racetrack without Shanann being there. So when Nikki shared that love of cars with him, he thought immediately, you know, I get to go back to the racetrack. She'll go with me. You know, I don't have to go do this on my own. And my dad can't go because he lives in North Carolina and I live in Colorado. So now he had a partner to go to the racetrack with. So he's looking at this and he ends up firing off a text to Nikki real quick. And it says, quote, I have an idea, by the way, I have a free hotel stay at the Holiday Inn. Not sure if you can swing it this month, but we can road trip to the mountains or southern Colorado for a day or two if you want. And Nikki sends back, quote, won't cost a dime, LOL. She goes on to ask him what his wife is going to say about them two spending a night or two together. And Chris assures her his wife fully supports him and it won't bother her. Um, I'm not going to stop seeing you anyways. And here's the thing. Chris had decided he was unhappy in his marriage. He wanted out of his marriage. And that's okay. That I mean, that's totally acceptable in our culture right now. Divorce is not seen as something as ugly as it was 60, 70 years ago. But for whatever reason, Chris forgot to tell his wife he was unhappy and wanted this separation. And part of me thinks the reason he hadn't said anything to Shanann was he was still waiting to see where things went with Nikki. He didn't want to end a marriage, you know, a guarantee partner for the rest of his life if Nikki wasn't going to stay a part of his life. 
So he was still kind of playing with the water. Chris said that for every day that him and Nikki spent time together, the girls and his wife were pushed further and further into the darkness of the back of his mind. He no longer put them first in his life. And it becomes apparent as over and over and over, Chris just rejects communicating with Shanann unless he absolutely has to. On July 1st, Chris texts Nikki, um, quote, being in your life is something I crave, end quote. And Nikki kind of holds on to this for a minute before she says something back. And about three hours later, she says, quote, I enjoyed our conversation tonight. I hope you have a great night. Sweet dreams, end quote. And we are going to go through a lot of the, the texting back and forth between Chris and Nikki and Chris and Shanann. And the reason we are is because this, this is the meat of the next six weeks. We are going to see how Chris is yo-yoed in in this affair and how Shanann and her confidence in her husband and in her marriage and in her love life slowly deteriorates over this time. And remember, she's carrying baby number three. We just found out that she is pregnant with baby Watts number three. So newly pregnant, we still don't know whether baby Watts is a girl or boy at this point. So that's, I just want to explain why we will go over so much quoted dialogue is because it is very important as this story grows. It's the meat of this next six weeks. On July 3rd, which happens to be Nikki Kessinger's birthday, Chris shows up at her house with flowers and a card. And inside this card, he wrote this little poem for her. Your energy is so insane. You heat me up. You make me melt. And then you cool me down like rain. Chris is such a romantic. Chris also wrote her a love letter on pink paper. He really pulled out all the stops to make sure she had a great birthday and he was gonna show her just how important she was becoming to him. And inside this letter, there's this little piece out of it that says, big things will happen this year. Dreams will come true. That smile, that stare, that laugh, that giggle gets me every time. And he ends that sentence with two exclamation points. He has effectively learned from his wife that in order to prove his enthusiasm to someone in writing, it needs multiple exclamation points. And he uses two every time he's trying to portray the enthusiasm. That is apparent in his letter to Nikki. He wants her to make sure, he wants to make sure that she understands just where he is with his feelings, or at least where he thinks he is with his feelings. It's speculated by some that Nikki kind of wanted Shanann's life. You know, remember back to the first episode, we're going to refer back and forth here. Nikki Googled Chris and Shanann nearly a year before Chris had the guts to even go and talk to Nikki. She knew what kind of life Chris led. And Shanann, for the most part, her things are public on her Facebook. And you can go visit this. 
Um, it is a in, in honor of or in memorial of Shanann at this point. It's just a remembering Shanann Watts. But most of it was set public. And you can go and see what she shared depending on how far back you want to dig. Because so much of it is public. Nikki had to have seen that. She had to have known what kind of life Chris and Shanann had. What she didn't really realize or think through is that they, they obtained that as a couple. And the trips and the vacations that they went on to all these different places was great. And it looks beautiful. And, you know, it makes anyone jealous. But they were earned through Lavelle. Shanann worked very hard, tirelessly earning these vacations for her and her husband to go on. And, and when I say, you know, she worked hard, she worked her level hard. And then she worked Chris's hard because remember, Chris is a promoter as well. So in order for them to do these things together, she worked for both of them well. So I don't know if Nikki ever caught on to the fact that not everything that was a part of their marriage was solely because of who Chris was. And that if she really wanted Shanann's life, that's not the life she was going to get if she took Chris away. Nikki would claim in interviews with detectives later that she wanted to take things slow with Chris until his divorce. However, Chris says that he was the one that wanted to take things slowly um, until the divorce happened. You know, I'm torn on who you want to believe because, you know, one, she was just the mistress and the other, he killed his entire family. So you're torn. Most people are not going to side with Chris, but at the same point, at this point, why would he lie? I don't know. It do I mean, we already view him as a total monster. What would one little affair mean to our opinion? I guess really nothing. Nikki would say this to detectives, quote, he was like in fifth gear the entire time. Maybe it was up to me to hit the brakes but he was so kind to me. Why was I going to push him away? End quote. Nikki, he was married. That's why. I mean, answers staring you right in the face, hun. Nikki begins sending very lewd sexual texts and nude pictures to Christopher. And again, this was probably something new to him. I just, Shanann never sparked me as somebody who would do something like that. But hey, you never know what's going on in the bedroom. So, you know, maybe she was. I don't, but the way these two shared so many photos of them with no clothes on, I would say Chris was pretty new to this. And Nikki was pretty comfortable with how she looked. On July 4th, 2018, Chris woke up in Nikki's bed and found that he had missed a dozen phone calls from his wife. And he would go outside of Nikki's to call Shanann back. And Shanann told him, you know, Bella and Celeste wanted to talk to him. And he said that he was sleeping. Well, that was not a good enough excuse for Shanann. And she, but she said, screw you and hung up on him. 
And so Chris decided he needed to go home because he knew his wife was mad and he knew he was going to need to talk her down. So he tells Nikki, you know, I got to go home. You know, this doesn't mean anything, but I got to go home. And so he leaves and he calls his wife and he talks to the girls and he talks to her and he calms her down. And then now he's got to tackle Nikki because Nikki was not happy that he was leaving her bed to talk to his wife. But, you know, she's, you know, she knew he was married. I, but Chris never really told her that Shanann never got the memo of the separation. So Chris will call Nikki and he invites Nikki to his house. And this is the first time that Nikki goes to his house and sees where he lives and kind of sees how he's living. Although she never goes upstairs, she just sees the downstairs. And when she tries to get into the house, when she gets there, there's furniture blocking the doors because Chris is cleaning the carpets. And I'm sure this has something to do with the way that Shanann did things. If somebody was coming over to her home, maybe she made sure to pick up a little extra than normal. Although we've seen pictures inside of the home. It, it wasn't chaotic. It wasn't dirty. There wasn't, you know, stuff just piled everywhere. But part of me kind of feels like this was embedded into Chris, that if somebody was coming to the home that you went a little bit further than you normally did had nobody been coming over. And so Nikki gets in the house and she starts looking around and she sees pictures of Shanann, Bella, and Celeste, and she can't help but comment on how beautiful Shanann is and how cute his kids are. And it's almost like the first time she realizes who Shanann and the, the girls are. But again, part of me is saying, you know, she knew exactly what Shanann looked like. But I think this was the first time it kind of smacked her in the face that she was really doing this with Christopher. Her coming over is so that she can set him up on a fitness app. And this is to kind of track his macros. We talked a lot last week on Chris and his appearance. And there's a reason why I made sure that we talked about how much weight he was losing throughout this whole thing. Because Chris was the overweight one of the couple when they first kind of got together. Shanann wasn't, you know, she wasn't overweight or obese or or fat or whatever you want to call it. She wasn't. She had put on a little bit more weight than she was used to carrying because of all the lupus medication that she was on, but she wasn't a big person by any means. So Chris was just a little bit softer than she was. So we had talked about Chris delivering this speech for the online class he was taking, and he was talking about, he was basically foreshadowing his life in the next decade. But he was talking about how it's usually the more attractive one that leaves. And Chris had become so obsessed with his weight and his working out and his eating healthy that his body showed those results. And Shanann's beautiful, don't get me wrong. But in Chris's mind, he felt like he was the more attractive one at this point. And he wanted to keep going because... You know, he has this young mistress he wants to impress, and he's got to be able to stay up with her. So let's continue on in my journey of losing weight. And he starts this fitness app that allows him to track the macros and what he's eating. 
And that's like your carbohydrates, you know, your vitamins, your different vitamins that you're eating, your fats, your sugars. He's tracking that because he'd already gone as far as he could go with just thrive and healthy eating and working out. Now he needed to really trim down in certain areas so that he could continue to gain muscle and lose weight all at the same time. So Nikki introduced him over to this fitness app that she had been using. And so that's what Nikki comes to the house for. She sets him up on this fitness app and gets him going, weighing him, taking his measurements, those kind of things. She never makes it upstairs inside the Watts home before she ends up leaving and going to a baseball game, I think is where she ends up with a couple friends. Well, Chris goes out with Amanda and Nick Thayer. Amanda is the director of Primrose, where Bella and Celeste are going to school. And so he goes with them and they all go out to enjoy fireworks for the Independence holiday. Now, Nikki had set up, without telling Chris, a couple dates off of eHarmony. And I'm assuming she's a young girl keeping her options open because the guy she really wants is married and you never know if they're really going to leave their wife or not. But neither date shows up, so she calls Chris and Chris is quick to jump on it and he heads back over to Nikki's almost immediately. On July 6th of 2018, Cindy goes and picks up Shanann and Bella and Celeste and she's taking them back to her house for the weekend because part of their stay in North Carolina for so long is that so both grandparents get to enjoy having their granddaughters there and before they had gone out Shanann had sent both of them both Sandra and Cindy a I don't want to say approved list, but yeah, that's what it was. Approved list of foods that um, Celeste could have. And so when Shanann gets over to Cindy and Ronnie's house, she notices there's nothing there that was on her list. And she takes offense to it. But nonetheless, she ends up going grocery shopping for little Celeste. Because we have to watch, she has a tree nut allergy. Now, just a note for those of you who don't know, tree nuts and peanuts are not the same as peanuts grow into the ground, if you didn't know. Um, so it's not peanuts that she's allergic to. She's allergic to the ones that grow from the tree. And because Shanann couldn't guarantee that there were things in Cindy's house that did not contain, you know, tree nut extracts or were made in the same facility where tree nuts were made. She just went out and bought a whole new slew of groceries. She spent $375 on groceries for Celeste to eat without having to worry about aggravating her allergy. Now, Frank Rusek, when he tells detectives later that when him and his wife got the approved list of food and that Shanann had told them that they need to go in and clean out anything that may contain tree nuts. Sandra goes in and she basically cleans the entire house out of everything. And they accommodate Shanann and Celeste in this request. But it's not really an accommodation. It's more of it's kind of a life-threatening thing because Celeste has anaphylactic reactions to tree nuts. They already had to go to the emergency room because her poor little body just couldn't take two tiny cashews. So Frank remembers, you know, his wife cleaning out everything. 
And then Shanann gets over to her in-laws and it's almost as if they didn't believe that either A, Celeste had the allergy or B, that it was as bad as it was or, you know, maybe they just didn't have the money to go and make sure that everything on Shanann's approved list was in the home. I don't know. I don't know the story. And, you know, Cindy and Ronnie did the best they could. They really did. Back in Colorado, Chris and Nikki are out on another date, and they're going to see the new Jurassic Park movie. And this night would be the night that Chris admits to Nikki he is falling in love with her. It is, you know, what, hmm, 10 days, 11 days since they went out to the park by Nikki's house and he's in love. I'm not questioning him and, and his feelings. I'm thinking he felt um, infatuation and lust because it's the beginning of a new relationship. But I wouldn't say he necessarily felt love at this point, but he told Nikki he did. And from the way Chris talked, Nikki kind of reciprocated the love as well. But Nikki will also say that, you know, it made her feel uncomfortable and hesitant about the relationship because she wanted him to get this divorce first. On July 7th of 2018, Chris and Nikki go out yet again. This time they go to dinner at Rusty's Bucket. And during dinner, Chris begins ignoring phone calls from his wife and leaving text messages unanswered. And as the days go on, this gets easier and easier for Chris. He just no longer wants to talk to his wife. He, he resents being married to her. Finally, at 5.15 the next morning, Chris decides now's the appropriate time to text Shanann. And he sends, quote, I'm sorry, boo. I fell asleep as soon as I got home. The heat killed me yesterday. I love you so much. Double exclamation point. Monday, July 9th, 2018, the infamous Nutgate occurs. And this is how the story goes from every party that kind of was involved. Jamie drops her two children off at Cindy and Ronnie's house and she leaves. So it's Cindy, Ronnie, Jamie's two kids, Bella, Celeste, and Shanann. And Bella and Cece, they're playing with their cousins and having a good time. Now, Jamie's daughter goes and gets in the refrigerator and she gets one of those little ice cream cups out, you know, that has like the little paper top lid that you pull off. And she sits down at the dining room table where Celeste is sitting and begins to eat this. And when Shanann comes into the kitchen and sees this, she freaks out. And she starts yelling at Cindy that she's trying to kill her child. And she yanks up Celeste and Bella and she calls her dad and was like, come get me because, you know, she doesn't have a car. They're on vacation. And she decides they're not coming back. And both Cindy and Ronnie's heads are spinning because they have no idea how this started or how it got out of control. But Cindy is very vocal. And so she was argumentative with Shanann. And Shanann didn't like that. Shanann was very passionate about the way she raised her, her girls. If you question her, she didn't like that. She called her dad saying, quote, I've got to go. We had a blowout because she's got nuts on the table, end quote. So Shanann turns to Facebook and begins venting. And 
like we've talked before, Shanann's very vocal on social media, but I think this is the first time she really takes a stab at her in-laws. And she writes, quote, oh, I'm not coming back. I don't have a car since I flew here, so I'm waiting on my dad to get here to pick us up. This is the last time my kids step foot in her house. My heart is still racing 30 minutes later. When Shanann gets back to her parents' house, she calls Chris and tells him what happens, and he says he's going to take care of it. And that night, Shanann goes back to Facebook and vents one more time. Quote, my 2.5 is severely anaphylactic to almost all tree nuts, and we are visiting in-laws. I specifically said we can't have them in the house when we stay. My MIL stated we don't buy them. I arrived and on the floor shelf of her center island was a bag of pistachios, big bad one. I removed it immediately. Today she lets her other granddaughter eat an ice cream that has all tree nuts in front of my 2.5 year old child that can't have them. I said I don't appreciate it and removed my daughter. I'm beyond furious and she's telling me I'm overreacting when child's life is at risk, end quote. And that is exactly verbatim. I did not skip out any words. I'm not stumbling over my words. This is how it was typed. She will later edit this post saying, her response to my husband was, this is a learning experience to my two-year-old to realize she can't always get what she wants. F you. Chris had very strict instructions on how he was going to handle this with his parents. And so Chris texts Shanann, quote, I will call and tell what I think about this. It's not fucking cool at all because it is the kids. I will set this right, end quote. Ronnie and Cindy both block their daughter-in-law um, after she blasted them about Nutgate on Facebook. They'd had enough. They were done. Um, they felt like they were being attacked when really they didn't feel like they had done anything. Here's the other side. Cindy's account was far different than the one we just heard. She says supposedly Shanann was going around and telling people that Jamie was the one that came into the kitchen and put a bowl of nuts on the table in front of Cece. However, Jamie wasn't home and Cindy had no idea the other granddaughter had gone in there and got an ice cream cup. And when Cindy didn't make her move, things kind of went south from there. Even Ronnie says that he could not figure out how the argument escalated so quickly. And um, this is sad. Christopher's nephew, Jamie's son, tells Bella they would probably never see each other again. It's an innocent statement, but it would come true, sadly, just a few weeks later. On July 10th, 2018, Shanann texts Chris about the evasive behavior that he's expressing. Shanann says, you okay? It's like you don't want to talk. I kept trying to talk and I had to dig it out of you. And Chris sends back, I'm fine, baby. The last few days at work have put a lot of responsibility on me with new people. I didn't mean to seem short, boo. I love you to the moon and back. Chris was just at this point, he was trying to keep the peace so he could figure out what it really was he wanted to do. Did he really want to go off with Nikki or, you know, 
Was his marriage not as bad as he thought it was? He wasn't sure, but in the meantime, he needed to keep his wife happy. While Chris is calming his pregnant wife, he and Nikki were exchanging nude photographs again. And this time he had downloaded this calculator app. And once you entered the correct little numbers, it opened up and there's all these secret files or photos or videos. And so Chris was hiding all the nude videos and, and pictures and just the explicit things he was saving from his and Nikki's conversations. With the girls gone, Chris had some free time. Free time to spend with Nikki. And Nikki latched on and she wanted Chris and the life he could provide her. Nikki is young. She, you know, Chris was young too. They were all fairly young, but Nikki was younger than Chris. And Chris at this point is spending almost every night he can with Nikki. He's just drawn. And there's one point in Nikki's interview where she says they have sex like four to six times a day. A day. This is exhausting. No wonder he really didn't feel like he had time to talk to Shanann and the girls. She expected Chris to open up about so much in his life. But the thing is that Nikki never really opened up about hers. She didn't share Chris with anybody. Nobody knew she was seeing him until days before the murders happened. And Nikki wasn't just invasive as far as it came to not telling people about Chris. She also didn't tell Chris, you know, why most of her social media history is gone or why Mel didn't come to her apartments, but to her dad or, you know, what was the medication she was taking? And Chris suspects that Nikki might've been bipolar and it was medication to keep her stable. On July 14th, 2018, Chris and Nikki decide they're going to go to the Shelby museum and Remember Chris's beloved Mustang he traded in when Shanann got her car bonus with Lavelle? He still loves Mustangs. And for him to go to Shelby Museum, he gets to see all these cars that he absolutely loves. So he's like a kid in a candy store and they have a ton of fun. But while they're there, his wife calls like four or five times. He doesn't answer any of them. Not until he goes outside for just a few moments and then he talks to her and it's not a good exchange. After the museum, Nikki drove Chris back home and this is the time she would go into his house a second time. And she began playing with Dieter, the family dog, and Dieter ends up leading her upstairs in some way and she really gets to see a life that is so different from downstairs. Upstairs there's the master bedroom and Bella and Celeste their room and then there's this big open family space up there where the girls play and you know it just looks more like children live there when they get upstairs than when they're down. And Chris starts to notice Nikki's behavior change as she's taking all of this in. He's, you know, he's really hesitant until he sees that she starts pulling away. And then he kind of wraps her up and pulls her to him. And his hope is that by holding on to her, that he can ground her to the relationship. 
Nikki later tells investigators that she felt uncomfortable being there. Um, it was like she didn't belong. And this was his home with his family, and really she didn't belong. The relationship was more expressed at Nikki's house than it would have been at Chris's. But Chris does everything he can, and he starts talking to Nikki and try to talk her back down, okay? Although, um, Nikki says this to Chris, you have all this more than most people, and we are doing this. Are you willing to give all this up? Is your relationship with your wife that bad? So Chris decides he's going to assure Nikki that yes, his life with his wife is that bad. And yes, he sh is sure he wants to give it up. But in his effort to kind of explain it all, he spills the beans that they were actively trying to get pregnant before he and Nikki got together. And Nikki goes left field on him. And she freaks out and she's like, what the fuck are you doing with me then? Your relationship couldn't be that bad. I mean, she is screaming all of these words at him and she ends up running out of the house and getting in her car, but she never leaves. And so Chris texts her from inside of his house to her outside in her car and it takes him about 30 minutes, but he ends up talking her down and she ends up coming back in the house. They make out on the couch a little bit and then they end up going back to Nikki's house and having sex. Only this time for Christopher, he says the kink that she did during their um, sexual encounter usually turned him on. But after everything that had gone on at his house, it wasn't turning him on because the guilt was starting to eat at him. Nikki admits as they're laying in bed together after having sex that she saw how he had had so many firsts with Shanann and hearing about how they were actively trying to have another child, she was scared that she was not going to be able to have a first with Chris and she really wanted to give him his first son. And this revelation kind of helped Chris make up his mind as far as it went with baby number three. He decided that he really needed Shanann to miscarry because he never thought she would go for an abortion and he wants nothing to do with this child. And they don't even know if it's a girl or boy yet. They still don't know. But in Chris's mind, he's done. He doesn't want no more. You know, he's just happy with Bella and Celeste. He ends up telling his very pregnant wife that he is only happy with the two kids that they have. And that doesn't sit well with her. On July 15th, 2018, Shanann throws a birthday party for Celeste and she invites all of her friends from back home, you know, and their kids. She hasn't seen them in a while. And this is time for them to kind of all get together and their kids to get to know one another noticeably missing yet again from another family function are Ronnie and Cindy and Cindy had no plan she was not going to that birthday party yes it was her granddaughter's birthday party but she was going to stand her ground because she felt like she didn't do anything wrong so Ronnie had kind of decided he would go he was going to go and he had you know armful of presents to give to little Cece 
except Shanann got on Facebook yet again, invented or attacked her in-laws, however you want to see that. And he decided that it was best that he didn't go. Chris would end up wishing his youngest happy birthday for the very last time through FaceTime. But it was very obvious that there was something more important on his mind during this time. And you could just read him almost like a book. He just wasn't, his heart wasn't into it. And with this being the last time, you would, you would like to think it was a good one. And luckily she was just turning three. And so had she gone on to lead a full life, it wouldn't have been a memory that hopefully she wouldn't have had. On July 21st, 2018, it's a Saturday and Chris and Nikki were off to the drag strip. But before leaving, Chris would transfer even more photos into his app. He would text Shanann saying, headed out to the track boo. I will text you when I get there. Chris loved being at the racetrack um, because it was nostalgia for him. And he had just a blast. Nikki has a habit of Googling everything. And this is her downfall in how the public views her and views the story that she tells about her experience with Chris. It makes it seem like she had these ill intentions long before Chris even realized he had a shot with her. On July 24th of 2018, Nikki Googles, man I'm having an affair with, says he will leave his wife. She spends the next few days doing searches for wedding dresses. Obviously, she is seeing her relationship with Chris going further than they had, either one of them had planned. And I'm, you know, we don't get the full dialogue. We don't get to know everything that they talked about. So maybe they did talk about marriage. Maybe they did talk about having this life together. I don't know. But for whatever reason, Nikki feels compelled to get online and go searching for wedding dresses. And Chris hasn't even told his wife he wants a separation or a divorce or anything. He hasn't said anything. And Nikki is doing all of this. Shanann is still in North Carolina and she's beginning to feel uneasy about her relationship with Chris as he's getting harder and harder to contact. And she texts Chris after he never texted her the other night when he finally got to the racetrack. He said he would. He said, I'll text you when I get there. And he never says anything. And they spend the night at the, you know, at the racetrack having a good time. Did you make it? Is everything okay? Did you have a good time? And Chris text her back tire light came on when I was leaving King Spooners last night got the tires aired back up end quote Shanann is not happy with Chris at this point she's like you could have answered you or texted me back and thought something had happened to you but you don't care about others feelings you or think you're with another girl or worse no consideration Chris never replies back to that text message he's decided that you know I'm just gonna it's better left unanswered. And Shanann, she's like, no, you're going to listen to what I have to say. So she sends back, I realize this trip, what's been missing in our relationship. It's only one way emotions and feelings. You don't consider others at all, nor think about others' feelings. 
Chris apologizes because he realizes his wife is angry with him. Very, very angry. She texts him, I try to give you space, but why are you working and living the bachelor life? I'm carrying our third and fighting our two kids daily and trying to work and make money. I keep looking at my phone all night and no response from you. Like, seriously, we didn't just start dating yesterday. We've been together eight years and 2.5 kids. Shanann had had it with Chris's very short, I love you and I miss you text because all of those insecurities she had prior to being with Chris are starting to come back and it's making it very hard for her to believe him when that's all he says. On or about July 28th of 2018, Nikki and Chris set off for their camping trip at the Great Sand Dunes National Park. And this occurs right before Chris is set out to fly to North Carolina. The girls have been gone up to about five weeks at this point. He hasn't seen his wife. He hasn't seen his kids. And honestly, he could care less if he never saw them again. Nikki says about the trip, quote, we set up camp and then went to the national park. It was super windy. The, the sand hurt so bad. Nikki and Chris had fun despite you know, the wind blowing and the sand just pelting their skin. They took several photos commemorating their trip and you can find them online. They're very easy. Just type in Chris Watts and you'll see several photos of him and Nikki at the sand dunes. Chris wisely tells his wife about his trip, but he says he's going with a coworker and technically he's not lying. The lie is by the omission that she is a female, not a male which Shanann is thinking he's out with his friends, his guy friends. It's this trip that Chris decides to tell Nikki he loves her. And she would say it back to him. Now, prior to the trip on the 25th of July, Chris does a couple searches on Google himself. He Googles when to say I love you for the first time in a relationship. What do you feel when you, someone tells you they love you? And finally, how does it feel when someone says, I love you? It's searches like this that led some to believe that Chris is a psychopath or a sociopath or autistic Asperger's because when he was younger, he kind of just sat back and kind of watched how people interacted with each other. And it's said that he wasn't being introverted. It was he was learning how to respond emotionally appropriate to situations. He would watch and see how people inter, you know, reacted in certain situations so that he could mimic this. And this is why I keep reiterating the multiple exclamation use in his writing, because it's things like that and things like the search you know, it's those kind of things that make you step back away from the whole thing and look at it in a big picture and think, did Chris ever really know if he was in love with Shanann? I mean, he had a girlfriend, but she ended up leaving him prior to him dating Shanann. He didn't have one in high school. So, I mean, technically, Shanann was the very first super serious relationship he ever had, and he ended up marrying her. And I guess there wasn't a whole lot of exploring the options, I guess, is what you can say. So did he know that he loved Shanann? Did he know that she loved him back? 
Shanann was very open with Chris, with her friends, on social media about how she felt about Chris. She was in love with him. She was so in love with him, and I don't think he ever fully realized how in love his wife was with him. Chris would record Nikki the night they were, their last night at the dunes, and she says in the video, thank you so much for coming out here with me, Christopher. I'm having a wonderful time. You mean a lot to me, and I'm glad that you're having a blast. And she'll sign off this video by blowing a kiss to the camera. And he stashes that away in his calculator app. On his way home, the two stop for lunch. And this is when he decides to take a moment and call Shanann. But Shanann doesn't answer, so he leaves this voicemail. Finish the hike, packing up and heading home. When Shanann tries to call him back, he's no longer in a position where he can talk to her. So he doesn't answer the phone. And Shanann's like, I'm not being silenced. I've got something to say and I'm going to say it. And so she, you know, Chris at this point is not only ignoring the phone calls from Shanann and the text messages, he's now ignoring the phone calls from his mother-in-law. And he's just, anything that has to do with Shanann and the girls, he just doesn't really want to talk to anybody regarding any of it. Shanann texts him, so I'm assuming you're safe, considering it's been three and a half hours. Chris texts back, there was a car fire in the Renaissance Festival traffic in Colorado Springs. Just got our car headed home. Chris would finally answer one of Shanann's many phone calls to him, but honestly, he just couldn't be bothered. Shanann would text him a sarcastic message after the phone call ended saying, sorry, you're so tired, but I haven't talked to you in 48 hours and I had a hard weekend, if you care. Chris was a little quicker than normal on the response for this one, and I say like 10 minutes is what it took him to respond back, which was quick considering the past five weeks. And he says, I'm sorry you had a hard weekend, boo. I will make it up to you, I promise. I'm sorry, I'm out of it tonight. On July 30th, 2018, the day before Chris is set to fly out to North Carolina, he goes to spend one last night with his girlfriend, and when he arrives, he has this letter. Nikki, wow, where do I even start? The first day I saw you, you took my breath away. The first day I had guts to talk to you, I got lost in those stunning green eyes. The first day we went out in the park together, I knew I was addicted. The first time we kissed, I knew I had met the most amazing, unique, and electric woman ever. We have had a lot of firsts together, Nikki, and I want to keep having them with you. Love, Chris. On July 31st, 2018, Chris parks in the long-term parking at Denver Airport, and Shanann's not happy about this, but he did it anyways. He boards his plane to North Carolina to see his wife and daughters. His body's going through these actions, but his mind was on Nikki and how to have a future together. Five hours later, Chris lands in Raleigh-Durham Airport, and he texts Shanann he landed. Shanann texts him back saying, let me know when you're coming down escalator so I can record girls. 
and he does so, and Shanann records two excited little girls who were so ready to see Daddy, and a man who was cold and distant. When Shanann left Colorado, she and her husband couldn't keep their hands to themselves. She left what she thought was a happy husband. Five weeks later, she's greeted by this stranger and almost resentful man. They all end up going out to dinner later with one of Shanann's friends, uh, Sandra, at a local pizzeria. And Sandra describes Chris as cold, standoffish, and distracted. Sandra says, quote, the girls were clearly happy to see their daddy. Chris was quiet, did not say much. When we spoke of the possibility of a baby boy on the way, he lit up with a smile, end quote. No one would know that night that Chris, inside of his head, he was hoping and planning on Shanann miscarrying baby number three. Shanann saw later at home at her parents' house Chris's new lock screen, which was of the sand dunes. There's nobody in it. It's just a beautiful picture of the scenery. And it's an homage to his weekend with Nikki. Later, when she would try to have sex with him that night, he said he didn't feel like it and got up and left the room and called Nikki. Now, prior to Chris flying out, Nikki told Chris, quote, take this time to fix the issues with your wife and enjoy time with your family, end quote. However, when Chris calls her and tells her that he may not be able to call as often as he would like, but that he would text Nikki, she goes off. She says, quote, why not? Are you with her? Despite her words before he left, it's very obvious that she didn't mean a single one of them. Later that night, when Chris finally comes back to bed, Shanann tells him that she has a headache. And Chris jumps up and he goes and he gets her something for her headache. He saw the opportunity and he pounced. He does not give his wife Tylenol, ibuprofen, aspirin. He gives her 80 milligrams of oxycodone. According to his research, this dosage should have been more than enough for Shanann to miscarry. However, it was just the right to make her violently ill all night, and she was throwing up all night long. Chris was hoping that her being sick was part of the miscarrying process, and so he laid in bed and didn't do anything. Um, Shanann's brother, Frankie, could hear her, and Sandy would go in and help Shanann. On August 1st, Shanann posted Facebook. It's obvious that while she had been gone on her extended vacation with the girls, her social media had kind of scaled back. She wasn't posting as much about Lavelle and Thrive. However, she did post about Nutgate, and then she posted about this. And she says, quote, I'm so excited about August. Girls and I fly home August 7th. I fly to Scottsdale August 10th through the 12th for an amazing weekend with my Lavelle family. Gender reveal for Baby Watts number three. Lots of excitement. Lots to be thankful for. Later that morning, Frank, Chris, Shanann, Bella, and Cece head out to Myrtle Beach. And they had rented two condos. And I think at some point, Chris's parents were invited, but ever since Nutgate, they've kind of just severed their ties with that part of the family. And so they don't go. And Sandy's coming a couple days later. Frank will drive home and Sandy will drive up. They don't stay together. And it's during this time that 
Chris tries to assert himself with Shanann and say he wants to invite his parents, but she shuts him down. She's like, no, over my dead body, not happening. Uh -uh. So Chris gets pissed off and he disappears down the beach and he's just, he used it as an opportunity to call Nikki if you want my honest opinion. It was just one way for him to be able to walk away and talk to his girlfriend. But as he's down on the beach and he's calling his girlfriend, Shanann's calling her friend Christina from Hawaii. And she's kind of telling her, you know, she no longer recognizes her husband and the physical attraction between the two are gone is gone. And she texts her later, he's been so closed off and only focused on his food. Kiss me once since being here. No grabbing my ass, hug or anything. I want to cry. He said nothing's wrong. Five weeks away from me and not touching me doesn't make me feel good. He got me pregnant. I want to cry. A few nights later, Chris again rejects his wife in her sexual advances. She turns back to Christina texting, Kids in bed. I took a night shower. Means I want sex and he knows it. He's over here doing a push-up challenge instead of discussing anything or fucking me. I'm over here crying in silence. Christina texts back saying, girl, stop him and tell him. Don't cry in silence. That's not good for you, baby. Shanann says, I can't do this. Not three alone. He's never been like this. 5.5 ducking weeks, no sex, unless he's getting it somewhere else. Shanann was also confiding in her other friend, Nicole Atkinson, about what's going on and getting her advice on, on how to approach this, what to Shanann feels like, canyon in her marriage. Chris would call his parents from Myrtle Beach and tell them that he wanted a separation from Shanann. And after he calls his parents, he calls Nikki. And I don't know the narrative of that phone call, but whatever it was, was enough for Nikki to get off the phone with him and almost immediately get online and start searching for wedding dresses again. Chris would later admit that he was torn between Nikki and Shanann. He was addicted to Nikki, but somewhere like in the back of his mind, he was really starting to think that he and Shanann could fix their marriage. Before leaving Myrtle Beach, Shanann and Chris were only communicating through text messages so they would not find in front of the girls. Chris would also admit that during this time, he was giving Shanann oxycodone by crushing it up and putting it inside her shakes. Their last day in Myrtle Beach, Shanann shares a photo of Celeste in a bikini, smiling as she plays on the beach with this caption. Quote, the older she gets, the more scared I am to let her go in the real world, the world of evil, the world of hate. The world is a very scary place, end quote. If only she knew that evil was already a part of their lives. On August 6th of 2018, this is the Sunday before they fly home, Shanann would send Chris this passage about husbands. Then she followed it with, I don't know how you fell out of love with me in 5.5 weeks, or if this has been going on for a long time, but you don't plan another baby if you're not in love. Kids don't deserve a broken family. When I left you, you couldn't take your hands off of me. You show up and I have to practically ask for a kiss in the airport. 
That text came in the middle of his phone call with Nikki. He didn't respond. So Shanann fiercely types up another one saying, being away from you, I miss the smell of you. You touching me when I'm cooking. You touching me in bed. You touching me, period. I miss holding you and snuggling with you. I miss eating with you, watching TV with you. I miss staring at you. I miss making love with you. I miss everything about you. If you are done, don't love me. Don't want to work this out. Not happy anymore or only staying because of the kids. I need you to tell me. Again, there's nothing but silence coming from her husband. She sends one last text. I just don't get it. You don't fall out of love in five weeks. How can you sleep? Our marriage is crumbling in front of us and you can sleep. Again, nothing. Chris did eventually go see his parents prior to them flying home, but this was without Shanann and the girls. Um, he confirmed to them that he and Shanann were getting divorced and that their house was up for sale. Jamie, his sister, said this was the first time in years she had seen her brother happy, but she caught on to the amount of texting he was doing, and it was obvious to her it wasn't Shanann. Now, up until the Watts family was scheduled to fly home, Shanann begged Chris to tell her what was going on, and he eventually says, quote, it will be okay. This will all get fixed. Once home, Chris shuts down even more, and he dodges all advances for sex from Shanann. She confronted him and asked him who he was sleeping with, but he denied any cheating. However, Chris would start taking his work truck to see Nikki, and he would even go to his boss at work and say, hey man, if you see anything odd on my GPS on my work truck, me and Shanann are separating and I'm just, I'm kind of in between places right now, kind of thing. And that's just to cover his tracks of driving to Nikki's. Shanann ends up having her gender ultrasound done when they get home and she gives the envelope that contains baby Watts number three gender to Nicole Atkinson. And then later that night, she tells Nicole, we've canceled the gender reveal. Can you just tell me? And then she decides to wait because Nicole is like, I'll just drive over and we'll, I'll show you. And Shanann's like, wait. And she gets with Chris and she reaches out one more time and says, do you want to find out together with me tomorrow night the baby's gender? And Chris replies, yes. So they hold off on the gender until tomorrow. And Shanann takes his rare reply as an opening and sends, please take five minutes today to write me and tell me how you are feeling. I love you, Chris, more than you know. And shortly after his interaction with Shanann, he deletes his Facebook claiming he's liberated. Shanann was doing everything she could to save her marriage. She wrote Chris a letter expressing herself. She ordered Dr. Sue Johnson's self-help book, Seven Conversations for a Lifetime of Love. And she bought herself an ebook so that she could read it on her weekend away in Scottsdale. And she got Chris a printed copy that would be delivered while she was gone. And then she books a getaway for the following weekend um, for her and Chris to go to Aspen. And she's hoping them getting away from the kids and, and, you know, the stress of everyday life 
will give them an opportunity to kind of rekindle what they had lost. She even goes as far as getting a babysitter. That afternoon, Shanann gets with Primrose School and she sets up for Bella to return to school on the 13th of August. She even texts Chris and asks if he would like to go with her for Bella's first day and he says he would love to. That evening, Shanann and Chris held a private gender reveal, just the two of them, and that's when they learned of baby Nico Watts. Um, and this would be the couple's first son. I can only imagine what was going through Chris's head because he's trying to get out of this relationship and out of this marriage and have one with this girl. And this girl said she wanted to be the one to give him their first son, his first son. Well, Shanann's giving him that. According to Shanann, Chris had even decided that he would be willing to work on their marriage. However, he was still sleeping in the basement so that he could have nightly conversations with Nikki. And it would be at this point that Chris admits that he began thinking of killing the girls in Shanann. He decided his marriage was over. Only, he never tells Shanann. He fails to tell the other member of his marriage. On August 10th, 2018, we're at the Friday before the murders. Shanann had thought about canceling her trip to Scottsdale, but Chris encouraged her to go ahead and go. And so at 4.30 a.m., Nicole Atkinson picks her up and the pair head to Denver Airport for their promoter training weekend for Thrive. Shanann hugs Chris goodbye and tells him that she left him a letter on the counter in the kitchen. Once Shanann is gone, Chris begins immediately planning a date for him and Nikki the next night. He asks his friend Jeremy Lindstorm if his teenage daughter could even babysit for him. Chris was actively daydreaming about his new life after Shanann and the girls were gone. He wouldn't have a house payment. He wouldn't have these giant bills. He wouldn't have a family. He would be free to start over with Nikki. Shanann and Nicole, they land in Phoenix and then taxi over to the hotel that would be hosting the training and where everybody was booked to stay. And when Shanann's friends saw her, they were shocked at her appearance. The problems in her marriage were physically taking a toll on her at this point. And her friends, when they saw her last, was right before she flew out to North Carolina when Chris and her were in San Diego. So to see this drastic change, they were really worried about their friend. That afternoon, Chris's copy of the book was delivered and he went and picked it up and threw it in the garbage. He never even opened the package. He's actively planning the murders of his family. He's, he's like, how, you know, how would he do it? When would he do it? He knew he wanted to do it soon. He just didn't have everything else pinpointed. And the last thing is, where was he going to hide their bodies? All he knew in the end is he wanted to be with Nikki no matter what. About 3 p.m., Chris meets up with a friend and co-worker, Troy McCoy. And while they're talking, Troy receives a phone call and says there's a leak out at Survey 319. Chris jumps at this opportunity 
and he agrees to go out to the lease first thing that morning. He's going to fix the leak, but it's also going to give him a window of opportunity to dump three bodies. And I think it's at this point that Chris finally decides he has a full plan in order. He was wanting to take their lives before Monday, so he had an opportunity to start this whole new life with Nikki, so this would be soon. And with Survey 319 having a leak and it's in a desolate area, he thought no way anybody's going to find the bodies of Shanann, Bella, and Celeste. However, this plan is shoddy at best. I mean, really, he didn't think it all the way through. He's almost in a time crunch when it comes to disposing of the bodies. And then he just, I don't think it crossed his mind to really look at all the details and make sure that he, that everything was covered. He just, he was so driven by lust for Nikki that he didn't, he didn't ever stop to think, you know, how am I going to do this without getting caught? He just thinks he's smart enough to do it dispose of their bodies, and nobody's ever going to ask any questions. On August 10th of 2018, while Chris and the girls are laying in bed watching cartoons, their marriage problems are eating away at his pregnant wife. She's having severe headaches. She's dehydrated. She's constipated. And those first three symptoms are side effects of oxycodone use. But she's also having trouble maintaining her blood sugar because she's not eating properly. So she's getting dizzy and faint. Um, she's also exhausted to the point that she never wants to leave the hotel. She wants to go to training in the conference rooms. And then she wants to go back to her bed, her hotel room and just, you know, sulk is the very best way to put it. Usually, Shanann wants to go out. She wants to sightsee. She wants to shop. But this is not the usual Shanann. She's dealing with something that she's never encountered before with Chris. Nikki, she's having a different morning. She's on Google again. Yeah. She's Googling how to prepare for anal sex. She also gets on Pornhub and does a little searches there. Multi-partner sexual encounters or three ways and interracial porn. Not really sure how that last one's going to affect her relationship with Chris. By 4.45 p.m., Bella and Celeste are in pajamas, and the babysitter has arrived at Chris's house, and he takes her and he gives her a quick tour around the house. You know, he instructs her that the girls are to be in bed by 7, and then he orders a pizza. And once the pizza's ordered, he then tells the babysitter to distract the girls so he can leave. And he's off to his date with Nikki. Chris drives over to Nikki's house where they have sex and update his fitness app. And then they go to dinner. And at dinner, they discuss Chris's upcoming divorce. And Nikki suggests that he find somewhere close to Shanann so that they can have a good working relationship. And then Chris does something he's never done before with Nikki. 
he pulls out a light blue card and pays for their dinner. Usually, he's paying with a gray gift card from Anadarko, and I'm assuming he had just kind of racked up all this uh, money on the card, and that's how he's been paying for the dates with him and Nikki. But now he's going to pay with this card that is connected to Shanann. It's their joint account. And Shanann gets a notification that he charges $68 at the Lazy Dog restaurant. So Shanann calls Chris and they kind of talk about his evening. And she questions him about the charge. And he says, oh, that's just that's just my part of the tab. And so they get off the phone. And then she decides to text him and, you know, ask, you know, what'd you have for dinner? And he's like, salmon and a beer. So she gets on the Lazy Dog website and she looks at the menu and figures out that should have only been about $30. And the tap was double. So she has an inkling that he is having an affair at this point. But in an effort not to alert him, she texts him and says, hey, hold on to that receipt so that we can write it off on our taxes. Really, she wants to look at it to prove that her suspicions were right. On August 12th of 2018, the Sunday before the murders, Shanann texts Chris and asks him if he will get the girls' backpacks ready for school the next day. And if not, that's fine. She'll do it in the morning. And he says he would be happy to. A few hours later, Shanann checks out of the hotel. Her and Nicole had chose to stay an extra day so they could go sightseeing and shopping. However, she's just not up for it. So they hang out the rest of the day in the lobby of the hotel. Shanann will post that she felt the baby move twice that weekend. And Nikki is finally sharing her relationship with her friend Charlotte. Nikki says, feel like every dude I met has kids these days, and if they don't, they have commitment issues or some BS like Sean. Charlotte says, what's the dude's name? Kids are cute, Ming. It's a package deal, though. Nikki says, the fact he takes care of his kids is a good thing, I think. He's all about his kids. Charlotte asks, that's cool. How old are they? How old is he? And Nikki says, 33, I think. I just feel like I will always be second place, like he's been there, done that. It's early, though. We will see. He's very kind to me, though. He works out, so he's super sexy. Don't tell nobody. I haven't made my mind up on him yet. Like, he seems too good to be true. Ha ha. Yeah, it's the best sex I've ever had. I'm hooked. I think he really likes me. So Chris is fantasizing about a long-term relationship with Nikki. And Nikki has failed to share her relationship with Chris to her friends up until this point. And now that she has, she admits that she wasn't really sure. Chris is actively planning to kill his family because he is so in love with Nikki. And Nikki's not sure about Chris. I'm sure that if he knew that little bit of information, Shanann, Bella, and Celeste, and Nico would probably be here today. I don't know. Maybe. I would like to think that if he knew that, that they would all still be alive. And this would be a crime that we would never talk about. 
would just be another man having an affair and getting caught. By mid-afternoon, Chris and the girls are off to a birthday party at for Jeremy's little boy, the guy whose daughter babysat for Chris before. By 4 p.m., the girls are dressed and ready for bed, and they're eating cold pizza for dinner. They FaceTime with Sandy and Frank real quick, and Ronnie and Cindy had asked Chris if he thought it would be okay if they FaceTime the girls. And he said he didn't think so because Bella would tell Mama. And rightfully so. She's five. And at this point, I mean, well, she's almost five. And at this point, yes, she could tell. By 5 p.m., Chris is making plans and talking to co-workers about checking out the oil leak at Survey 319 Monday morning. Chris is making plans for, this, for these murders on the fly. We can all look at the details of this case and we can see that he just didn't think anything through. Honestly, he thought, I'll kill him, I'll dispose of their body, that'll be the end of it. He didn't ever really think about all the little pieces of evidence he was leaving behind. And he certainly didn't think that Nikki would ever think twice about all of a sudden his wife and kids go missing. Chris texts Cody Roberts to make sure that he will be out there at Survey 319 alone long enough to dispose of all three bodies. And he says, quote, I'm going to go straight out there for my house. No sense in both of us going out there. LOL. As Chris is devising this half-fetched plan to annihilate his family so he can run off with his mistress Shanann is having dinner with her Lavelle friends before flying home, and she's waiting because her flight had been delayed. There was a storm going on in Phoenix right at that point, and as they're eating dinner, the power goes out. Shanann posts to Facebook a picture of her and, and all the girls she's eating dinner with, and the lights are off in the restaurant, and it has this caption, Best way to leave Arizona with loss of power while eating dinner. While waiting on her plane later at the airport, she texts Chris, Can you please tell me something? This is making me crazy. I know you need time. I want to give you what you're asking for and respect your space. I need you to give just a little bit of what I did or didn't do, so I'm not going crazy in my head to figure it out. I know I can't fix this by myself, that we are going to have to work together. Chris never answers that text message. So she calls him at 9.28 p.m. And he doesn't answer that phone call either. Because, surprise, surprise, he's talking to Nikki again. About two hours later, Shanann posts to Facebook for the last time. Quote, ready to be home with Chris and the girls. Finally on plane, about to take off. Thank God. Prayers for safe flight. Love you. August 13th, 2018, at 12.45 a.m., Shannon and Nicole finally arrived to Denver Airport. At 1.48 a.m., Shannon entered her home at 2825 Saratoga Trail. She kicked off her favorite flip-flops and left her suitcase by the front door. Chris was laying in bed in the master when he heard Shannon come up the stairs. Shanann crawls in bed behind her husband, and according to Chris, she begins touching and petting him, 
and this would lead to sex. He said that he felt as though Shanann was testing to see if he was being faithful. A couple hours later, Chris gets up and gets ready for work. He wears a blue fire-resistant shirt, pants, and a pair of old work boots. Normally, he wears his newer ones. Once dressed, he goes downstairs and makes his lunch. Then he goes back upstairs where he and Shanann had an emotional conversation. Shanann calls him out on his affair, and then Chris climbs on top of her, wraps his hands around her neck, and tells her he doesn't love her anymore. Using all of his strength, he squeezed her. She cries. Tears and mascara run down her face. As she watches the man she loves with everything she has take her life because another woman was more important. Bella wakes up from hearing the sounds coming from her parents' room and goes inside, asking Chris, What's wrong with mommy as he wraps Shanann's body in the sheet? He tells his daughter, mommy doesn't feel good. Then he begins to lift her, only she's too heavy. So he drags her lifeless body down the stairs into the garage door. At 5.17 a.m., Chris opens the garage and then backs his Anadarka work truck into the driveway. This is something he's never done before. He wraps Shanann in two black trash bags and puts her in the floor of the back seat. He went inside and grabbed his lunch and water canteen, putting them into the truck before loading a gas can, shovel, and rake. Then he grabs Bella and Cece along with Cece's pink blanket and puts them into the back without their booster seats. At 5.45 a.m., Chris pulls out of the driveway and heads towards Survey 319. Bella and Celeste curl up with one another, complaining that it smells. At this point, Shanann's body has released her bowels and bladder. Her body is also miscarrying baby Nico, and his amniotic sac is being partially expelled from her body. At 6.29 a.m., Chris pulls onto Royal Route 3856 and begins to ask his co-workers where they are. Chris, you headed out to Servi. I'm out here. Cody said something about pumping out 10.29. Chad, well, since you're out there, you want to fire it up? Chris, okay, I will. At 6.53 a.m., Chris pulls up to Servi 319. He gets out and tells the girls that he will be right back. He drags Shanann's body from the truck. Once he gets her to the spot that would be her shallow grave, he goes back to the truck. Chris grabs Celeste's pink blanket, wraps it around his young daughter's head, and holds his hand over her mouth and nose, pushing her tiny body into the back seat until he has snuffed the life out of her little frame. Leaving Bella behind, he carries Cece up to the hatch of the first oil battery. He opens it and slowly lowers Cece feet first before dropping her into the crude oil. He closed the hatch and climbed back down and headed to the truck, headed for Bella.
Bella watches her father, terrified. What happened to Cece? Well, the same thing happened to me. Her tiny voice asks her father as he climbs back into the back of the cab. Yes, Chris said as he grabs Cece's blanket and reaches for Bella. He wraps it around her head and she screams terrified, Daddy, no, Daddy, no. His hand covers her face the same as it did with Cece, only Bella fought back, biting her tongue several times and shifting her head back and forth as she tried to fight the very one that was supposed to protect her. But Chris was too determined to have the life he daydreamed of with Nikki. Bella lost her fight, and Chris had taken the life of the very last one of his family. Chris carries Bella's body up to the top of the batteries. Instead of putting her in with her sister, Chris shoves the body of his five-year-old into an eight-inch opening of the far battery. Skin is removed from her shoulder and bottom as she did not fit the same as her younger sister. Once he heard the splash of Bella's body hitting the oil, he closed the hatch and went back to the spot that Shanann laid. He raked the weeds away and dug a shallow 27-inch deep grave. He rolled his wife's body into the grave, and as he looked down, he realized she had miscarried his son. Leaving her face down, he covers both the bodies. Chris starts covering his tracks by calling Shanann's phone, leaving one simple voice message. Chris Watts had taken the lives of his family, separating them in death, his last jab at the very people that kept him from having the fantasy life he was dreaming of with Nikki. He was free to love her openly now. She could give him his first son as his lay with his wife in a shallow grave. He was free of being bossed around, free of never being heard, free to be himself. His slate had been wiped clean. However, nothing ever comes free. His expedited plan to kill his entire family was far from perfect. He never considered that his wife was active on social media, active in her friendships. Now he had hurdles to jump over in order to keep his dream alive. I want to thank you for joining me tonight as we continue on this multi-part look at the All-American Family, The Chris Watts Story. This wild ride is not over yet. Next week, we will take a look at what finally causes Chris to break down and deliver not one, not two, but three different confessions. If you haven't heard Toxic Obsession to Love, please go back and listen to what would drive Grant Amato to kill his family. Don't forget to subscribe and drop that five-star review. And as always, I will leave you with one last line. Love is giving someone the ability to destroy you, but trusting them not to. Much love, the true crime librarian. <laughs>